Well, I guess this is probably all of us. Probably not. Somebody would be late, but uh, I'm here already. I already, <laughs> I already like this better. We can all hear each other. We can all see <laughs> each other. <laughs> We're gonna watch her spill a drink. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We've all spilled something every now and then. But uh, I just wanted. This is the first week of our this marriage study, and uh, I've only watched the first two videos so far, but I'm gonna watch them all. She hair. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. Come so this is the first week of our study and in the last in the last bit of this video um, they go over some things and we'll see it again but it says steps to success during this six weeks uh, step number one is to be vulnerable be honest with each other that doesn't mean we need to fully open up in honesty, probably in the room, but at home together as married folks, uh, open up to each other about things. These, some of this, some of this, I have written down here somewhere, I'll get to it in a minute, but some of this stuff that we see here will probably open up questions that we may have never thought about before as married people or as single people or as divorced people. I don't, they haven't started to talk about divorce yet, but I'm certain that they will. They do say something about, um, in this video, that blended a, suc a successful blended marriage is redemptive. Like we see great redemption in uh, a, a blended marriage. There's, 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 you can't just crawl all over everybody. So it does get to uh, some divorce stuff, and I'm sure it'll get further into it. But um, so, so step number one for success during the six weeks is to be vulnerable with one another. Step number two is to commit to the journey. And step number three is to focus on, this sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but I think you'll understand what it means. Focus on you and not your spouse in this. So I would say that all of us agree that our main problem in all of our marriages is that, is that we are selfish. We, not our spouse, we are selfish. So as we think about, let's not come in here and try to fix our wife. Let's come in here and try to draw. <laughs> I thought that's what you're Sorry to burst your old We have our own, we all have our own problems. If we can focus on that, we can probably have better marriages. So, I got this perfect question. Some other good reasons for this study is that we can't sit this close. Y'all chatter too much. It's like Dale and uh, Dale and Clinton and Clark. I was just saying, Joy's no, defending her said she has the perfect husband. Mar, pipe down. <laughs> And some other good reasons for this study is that some of us, all of our marriages need, need routine maintenance. Some of us are in wonderful seasons of marriage and some of us are hanging on by a thread. So we're all in different spots. Um, and like I said, there might be questions or thoughts that come up in this study that you and your spouse have never considered. So be patient with one another through this process and allow this study to sharpen your marriage. It might sting a little bit, uh, but it's all for the glory of God and hopefully marital longevity. So Heather and I, I asked Heather's permission to share some of this. Where's Heather? Uh, Heather and I got married. We've been married 10 years on April 5th. 
so that's uh, that's a pretty good milestone. <laughs> but we did not get Heather married a liar. I would say. <laughs> Why are you all laughing? I'm being serious. Uh, but she Heather would uh, claim faith in Christ at the time of our marriage, and she asked me, "Do you believe in God?" And I, you know, I just yeah. gave lukewarm answers to so that I could marry her, essentially, which. <laughs> I would consider that lying <clears throat> because at the time I didn't. I had no faith in God. I had no care. I had no care or concern for God. But uh, I didn't really express any of that to her. He was an atheist. There you go. Was not a... That's what you said. You always said. Y'all are already fighting. We haven't even started. <laughs> Fifty-four years of marriage. Look at her. She's still fighting. <laughs> so we get married. I'm not a believer. She is a believer. The, uh, I think we could both agree she wasn't uh, exercising her faith very radically, or she wouldn't have married me probably. But um, we did a lot of things backwards. We were in bed together before we got married not that everybody needs to know that but we were and that created we had a child seven months after we were married so we were married seven months later so she's two months pregnant at the wedding we immediately have a child that sends us down a trajectory of not being able to enjoy being married folks initially we we're just mom and dad right out the gate and we go right from Sims to Parker and so that's two or three, four years of just solely focusing on children with almost no focus on marriage. And we have just in the last, and Heather, you can correct any of this at any time, but I would, I have confidence in saying just in the last five years, we've crawled out of that disaster. And it's not a disaster. Sims is a great blessing. Love him. Glad it all worked out the way it did. But we did not set ourselves up for success in, in that. So that's a little bit of where we come from. That's why I take marriage through the Christian lens. Seriously. I'm on a Marriage through the Christian lens and doing the doing it the right way. Um, my goodness, there's there's so, there's there's so much fruit. If you can do it, if you, I mean, there's never been this many people here. Okay. I'll have to send So anyways, marriage done the right way, we don't run into those snags like well, we have plenty of snags, but we Heather and I wouldn't have run into as many issues had we done marriage the way God commanded in the Bible. By you know, honoring we, we marry like minded believers unite. Hopefully they're exercising their faith, they're practicing their faith, they're not doing the hanky panky ahead of time and because it just creates a mess so um let's get into this let me see if i have any more quick notes heather did i say anything out of line sure just smack you later okay <laughs> you have to remember wife's always right that's right <laughs> happy wife happy wife stop slow thanks let's pray and then we'll watch this video <laughs> heavenly father i pray that this marriage study is a time of great blessing for our marriages i pray that we have the endurance to remain married until the end of our lives we see divorce happening everywhere uh, all age groups uh, people can be married for 50 years and still get divorced and we don't want that in this church we want to have marriages that glorify you 
um, before they start and as they go on and as they finish. We want our marriages to be about you and um, and we get to benefit from that. So I just pray that during this marriage study, we are patient with each other and we have some laughs, but we're uh, ultimately sharpened because of what you have in store for us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Play that video, Josh. She got it. <laughs> we just thought it is going to be bliss. Yeah, and I had a whole picture of what Dave was going to be like. You know, he's going to lead our family spiritually. He's going to ask me, yeah, how are you doing? He's going to hug me and kiss me every day. I do he's going to be very attuned to my emotions. It's like everything you just said I don't do. But <laughs> what was your expectations? Mm, probably that we would just still be best friends. Yeah, best, you know, uh, probably best friends, physical intimacy, like every night for the rest of our lives. When we got married, I'm thinking like we're going to basically have a honeymoon for the rest of our lives. This will be great. We'll work. We'll, we'll be dual income, no kids. Uh, her expectations were as soon as we get you know back from the honeymoon, we'll start a family. I just had this idea. We'd be best friends. We'd have lots of sex. <laughs> we'd play video games. Okay. That's, that, yeah. that's all you need yeah. in a marriage, yeah. so, that, so that didn't end up happening. I had that kind of idealistic Disney-type movie that Aaron would complete me, and then we would just live happily ever after, and everything would be perfect. And so I think I was surprised to see that this you bring the same things into marriage that you had the day before you got married. of marriage man I think it's a really difficult question to ask it is kind of like a Christian thing that I don't really care to ascribe to what is the point of getting married what happens after you get married there's no difference between that and when you weren't married it's just now legally hey these two people are, are joined together I think of marriage as uh, something sacred between a man and woman and I think that it is very necessary uh, in today's society I think people choose to get married today because it's a really big testament to a partnership with somebody else and being you know committed to that person for the rest of your life and I think that actually means a lot yeah when hookups are just like one swipe away you know, <laughs> saying I love you and marrying somebody and spend the rest of your life I mean that says a lot and I think it's important 
I I don't think marriage is necessary. Um, you can go your whole life and still live super happy without ever being married. I guess I do believe in marriage to a certain extent. You know, coming from a child of divorce, it's hard because you watch people split apart and that ideal of like forever love becomes kind of corrupted. And it's like, well, what is marriage if it's not forever? There was a song on the radio when we got married, uh, and the, the lyric was, it's sad to belong to someone else when the right one comes along. And I remember thinking, what if three weeks from now I meet somebody and go, oh, she's the one. And I just remember the sense, as I, as I just had this little mini panic attack, I remember thinking, um, you do this by faith. The concept of soulmate actually comes from Greek mythology. This idea that there's two people that made up one person and the Greek god Zeus sliced them in half and then they have this kind of soulmate uh, somewhere in the world that they have to go and find. And we don't realize that when we talk like that, we're actually talking about pagan ideologies. The truth is there's not one person for everyone. There's, you can marry hundreds of thousands of people of the opposite sex and have a healthy marriage with them. Uh, it, it could work well that you want to find someone who is rightfully following God and they could be an incredible life partner to you. Culture has given up because of the pain of divorce, has given up on what love really is defined by God. So now they turn inward and say, well, what's the best environment for me? And it sets everybody up to fail, I think, because if you don't know God's love and you're able to receive that well, then you're projecting all the things that only God can do. Yeah on someone else. You're setting everybody up to fail. Love is not simply a feeling. Love is not simply sentimentalism. Love is not simply making someone feel good. Love actually looks like the cross. It's sacrificial, it's self-giving, it is life-giving. Love is more than simply a feeling. It transcends it and ultimately, God is love. First John 4, 8. a critic. And if marriage is a work of art, you can imagine that wherever it's put on display, people will try to interpret its meaning. We all see marriage through a particular personal, cultural, historical, and religious lens. But few of us stop and think to ask the original artist, why did you create it anyway? Because I am love. And everyone needs a vision of what perfect love looks like. When a woman and a man love each other like I love you, people get a glimpse of me. They see that I stick with you through the highs and lows of life. Sacrifice my best for your good. Set you free from the bondage of your sins and failure. See everything about you and accept you completely. And send you to others who need my love. What we all want with the person we marry? A perfect love that endures, dies to self, forgives, fully accepts, and produces a purpose more satisfying than happily ever after? The writers of scripture described this multifaceted love of God with one word, Hesed. 
so I have a tattoo um, and it's the Hebrew word hesed. And basically I needed to be reminded of just God's steadfast love. I was diving deep into Psalms and I just kept seeing the theme of the steadfast love of God. And I said, especially in the low points of my life where I felt like, God, could you be here with me in my suffering? I constantly kept being reassured by God that yes, he was with me, not just his love, but his mercy, his kindness and all of that. And I feel like that encompasses our journey, um, not only in suffering, but also in marriage as well. What we quickly discovered is that the steadfast love of God is something that is hard for us as humans that are finite to understand because we live in a fallen, broken world where so many things are either cutthroat or performance-based. But Hesed, when you bring that into dialogue, both in the Old and the New Testament, it talks about like in June, the very opening verse that we are beloved of God. And that is written in what we call the perfect tense in the passive voice. The perfect tense means it is a completed action in the past that has ongoing, unwavering, perpetual results. And then it's also in the passive, which means we don't have to perform for God's steadfast love. He loved us before he created creation. So his love predates our creation. And when he saved us, that love was now deposited into our heart. So that sets us up with the foundational tool for a successful, healthy marriage, which is God honoring and its legacy driving. Hesed, from the Hebrew, the loyal, steadfast, unwavering, covenantal love of God. In marriage, it means I persistently pursue my spouse, regardless of their performance. Hesed. Yeah, Hesed is such a, it's such an interesting idea to try to translate it to English, because if you do any study on it, you understand that it has a lot of facets of loyalty and faithfulness and consistency, and uh, certainly one of covenant, something that's permanent, something that's a partnership. And I think it shows up in marriage a lot because God calls us into this special and permanent, meaning as long as we're here on earth, partnership to do something together uh, with a loyalty, with a protection and a, a caretaking that God has modeled himself, but obviously through many characters that we see in scripture. What God's calling us to is to love like he loves, which means he's going to love you with and us with a selfless, faithful, your behavior doesn't matter. I'm going to love you regardless. And that just blows my mind to, to experience that. It's like, it's like a, a waterfall coming, uh, rushing onto you. And you just like, I don't deserve this. And yet still, it keeps flowing and it never stops. So this concept of said this loyal, steadfast love of God, this love that wasn't based on performance, that was completely foreign to me. Lamentations 3.22 says, For the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Marriage is a place where said this unwavering, loyal love, gets lived out day to day. You can skip this to 10, to 13 out of 5. This is kind of just a, a skit that's kind of corny. I decided we'd rather talk, ask questions for three minutes than waste three minutes watching that. 
When we strive for this type of hesed love to one another, it displays some of God's characteristics. For example, when God asks us to love like he loves, he's asking us to reflect the oneness and unity he experiences in the Trinity. That's found in Genesis chapter 1. And he also talks about the promises or covenant that he made to his people in Genesis 12 and 15. So when two imperfect people display said, others end up seeing a picture of God. In John 17, 21, Jesus says, May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. This is the kind of love that the world needs to see. The purpose for oneness is so that people can see modeled in your marriage the same kind of oneness that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have experienced for eternity. We have to recognize that that's what God looks at and says, that, that's why I did this. That's why I brought the two of you together. And that's when marriage moves from idle territory to its main purpose. That was the first time I'd ever sort of been able to pull back and go, oh, so marriage and family is at the very heart of what God wants to do on the planet. And I think my, when I first heard that, my ears perked up like, wait, there's a purpose? God has a purpose to marriage? And when they talked about mirroring God's image, I thought, what? Like, us? We could mirror God to other people when they look at our marriage, they could think, that couple is walking with God because you can tell they reflect him. When husband and wife live in harmony with one another, people see it. It becomes a testimony to the world of God's love. You see how they love each other? You see how they care for them? You see how they sacrifice for one another? And that becomes a, a, a window or an echo of who God is himself. My marriage has to tell the truth about God. And that's, I don't, we don't always think about marriage in that light. We think about loving one another, taking them out to dinner, having great vacations, and all that stuff is wonderful. Sexual interaction, all that stuff is really great. But the truth of the matter is, the ultimate purpose of a marriage relationship in human history, frankly, is that marriage is to reflect and to tell the truth about the God we're related to and whose image we bear. I would contrast a covenantal love with uh, a consumer uh, type of approach to a relationship. In a consumer relationship, you are basically saying, um, as long as you provide this and this and this for me, then this is a good relationship for me and I'll be contractually bound to you as long as you're fulfilling your part of the contract. A covenant is where you make a promise that essentially is unconditional, where you're saying, I am promising these things to you. And I am saying that even if you disappoint me in this or this or that, um, I am saying that I'm going to tie myself to you under the authority of God and say, I'm going to love you like Christ loved the church. Covenants also in the Bible reflect something about God. Um, they're teaching the person, it, you know, in that 
covenant about God and also uh, a watching world. It is something very important to me. I think we teach the younger generation that when you think about the covenant of marriage, that um, it's about so much more than just you and your spouse. The reason why there has to be the covenant love of God is because God himself is love. And throughout the Old Testament and moving into the New Testament, you see God's covenantal love. And, it, and God's covenantal love means this, that humans didn't think of it. Humans can't earn it. Humans can't achieve it. Only humans can believe it and receive it. And God's covenantal love ultimately is expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. And through his death on the cross and his resurrection, he invites us to experience his faith. Faithfulness. But the reality is this, is that we can't love each other. We can't grace each other. We can't forgive each other. We can only give those things away because Christ gave them to us as a gift. Yeah. And what it isn't is it's not just a feeling. And so you don't fall in love or fall out of love. It's um, that love, that Hesed love is a commitment. Like, like God committed that. Like it was a covenant. And so when we said, I do, we covenanted with one another regardless of how we feel um, that we are committing to one another. So even within your marriages, there's this opportunity for us to model the way of Christ. And the way of Christ, when you confess something to me is, man, there's something on the table that's never going to change is that we're all going to be sinners. So like the fact that you sinned, okay, well, now what do we do next? Now we point you to the gospel. Now we remind each other of what is true. Now we seek restoration. Now we seek to not just do better, to be better people, but we see because there's freedom in walking with the Lord. And so I think just modeling that and practicing that of like, whatever you're going to say to me, it's, it might really hurt. It might cause a really big rift in our marriage. Like, it's not like I'm be like, oh, awesome. But I also get to come to the table and show grace the same way that God shows us grace. To actually bring to life the heart of Jesus that says, I choose to love you even when you run off. I choose to pursue you even though you don't want to be pursued by me. I'm telling you, there's nobody else in your wife's life, if you're in that scenario, um, that can show her more clearly what the heart of Jesus looks like. Will that happen instantly? No. Will it be a story that's a success story? In five years, you could look back and see, wow, that was perfect and awesome? Probably not. It might take years, decades of the same thing. But I'm telling you, you have a beautiful opportunity to show in the most compelling way. This is what the heart of Jesus looks like. I'm just going to keep pursuing you. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep showing you grace um, because I have the Holy Spirit and this is the way that I get to serve you. You know, when I first met Lisa, you always ask me, says, Dad, what did you like about mom at first? I says, her eyes. I go, yeah, right. She was just this bubbly little girl from Oklahoma. I mean, the accent just drew me. She was a gymnast. She was a sprinter. She was beautiful. Her desire to love people, it just drew people in. Lisa started having these episodes. So we thought, let's go to the doctor. After all the testing was done, she was back getting dressed and he brings me into his office. And he says, well, we found out that it is MS. And this is when a lot of people leave. And I was just shocked. I, I didn't know if I misheard him. What started going through my head were my vows, for better or for worse, in sickness, 
and in health. And it's not so much was I going to keep my word to Lisa, but I made a promise to God. Was I going to keep my promise to him? Eventually, she lost the feeling in her legs, and then she lost the feeling in her arms. Then she lost about 75% of her eyesight. At this point, she's unable to do anything. She's totally dependent upon me for everything. And you know, I realized that she was in bed for 25 years, bedridden, completely bedridden. There was probably about 10 years of my life. I don't remember. Just tired. It, it's just going through it, going through it, going through it. I remember there was a time when we went to Israel. She always wanted to see the Via Della Rosa. And that's the path in which Jesus carried the cross. We're having to use a wheelchair. And as I'm getting into this first bump, all of a sudden, I see three guys come around her wheelchair. And they say, we're going to help. And we walked up the Via Della Rosa carrying Lisa. My heart was just broken. It was at that point in time I realized I can't do this alone. I need people to help me. I've been trying to do it on my own energy, and I've been trying to do it on my own effort. And I realized that's why God gave us the body of Christ. And the Lord provided individuals, the church and family. Lisa and I were so tired or so discouraged. The people who came alongside of us, it was their faith that helped us. When you look at how God loves us with all our imperfections, that should drive us to hang in there with each other, even when things don't go as expected. I just pray that Lord just help me each day that as I would treat Lisa, that the kids would see how much I loved her. God's sustaining love and sustaining grace through all of these things is, is what has kept us. We all get married to a handicapped person. We just don't realize on our wedding day. Lisa's handicap ended up being more visible to the world, but God called her to hang in there with a guy who was impatient, insecure, and selfish. I may have been the hands and the feet, but she was the brains and the heart of the family. Lisa went home on June 29th, 2018. When she passed away, we found out that my daughter had MS also. And I think it came full circle to me when my son-in-law, he came up to me and said, Dad, I'm not leaving her. That's, that's what I think the Lord, that what he did was reflecting upon who he is to my kids. And that maybe the example in some way of being faithful might be reflected in their lives. When we Hesed, we display God's perfect love toward imperfect people. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. The goal in marriage is to consistently hang in there with an imperfect person because that's what God does for us. That's what he does for me. That's what he does for you. God uses us in spite of us. There's nothing 
tied to our family composition that we can't live as in a kingdom agenda. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are not tied to whether this is a first marriage or a second marriage. A blended family done right, done well, is redemptive in the lives of children and adults in that family. It takes what was fractured and it repairs it in a different sort of way and puts it together where love and joy and peace and patience and kindness are lived out day after day. And your marriage, even in its imperfections and flaws and all that we bring into it, may be the most powerful statement for the gospel of Jesus Christ some people ever see in their entire lives. Because they've never seen a marriage that worked. When they see this working, they got to say, God exists. This is, this is his love between two imperfect people. David and Meg Robbins, and we're so excited that in the midst of everything you have going on in your lives, you're taking time to invest in one another. Even with all the challenges facing marriages today, we believe God created every couple for oneness. And this might be one of the best things you can do to get on the same page and keep growing together. Whether you're doing art of marriage as an event or with a few other couples as a small group or just the two of you, we'd like to encourage you with just a few suggestions for you to get the most out of this experience. The first thing we would say is be vulnerable. We found that what's hidden in our hearts will come out, whether in healthy ways or unfortunately toxic ways at times. So creating a safe place for your spouse to share what's really going on inside them can help you get closer, faster. So give each other permission to be real. Secondly, commit to the journey. I found I love starting things, but I'm not always the best finisher, and you know that best. And whether it's working out or sticking to a budget or having a consistent date night, when we follow through on the things that we have good intentions to do, I grow as a person and we grow as a couple. And the last thing we would say is focus on you, not your spouse. God makes it so clear that we don't have the power to change another person. It's, and it's easy to go through something like this and think, Oh, they so need to hear this and want to kind of nudge them. And that may be true, but for this journey, we would encourage you just right now where you are, draw an imaginary circle around your chair or maybe your couch cushion. And as you hear things, apply everything that you're hearing and learning to everybody that's inside of that circle and let God be the one to change your spouse's heart. So be vulnerable, commit to the journey, focus on you and not your spouse. And one last thing, we are all at different places when it comes to this journey toward oneness. Some of us come in and we're already at a good place with each other, but our marriages can always use some quality routine maintenance. Some of us are needing way more than a tune-up. And that's okay. Wherever you are in your oneness journey, God can help you move closer together and halt the drift toward isolation. And really, anytime you want to improve something in your life, you need a reality check on where you're already winning and where you need more work. And that's one reason why we've included a really quick assessment called the Couples Check-In at the start of the series. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes to complete, and it will highlight some areas of strength for you and also one or two areas that you can improve as a couple. And then we're going to give you a few easy ways just to get the conversation going between the two of you, because we really believe that the most important thing that will be said in this series will not be what you hear in the videos. It will be what you say 
to one another. And that's why our team here at Family Life has developed very intentional questions at the end of every session to help you draw closer together. Good questions help us get beneath the surface and talk about things that get lost in the busyness of life. So as Meg said, start with the couples check-in. You'll see the QR code on the screen. <coughs> the link will be in your workbook. And if you're doing this in a small group, your leader will also you have a link for you. So take the check-in and enjoy processing. Sorry. Can, uh, sorry. <laughs> there is, they keep talking about workbooks. I can order, if anybody wants a workbook, I can order them. I just assumed if I went ahead and did that, I'd get too many of them. Nobody looked at them anyways. But we... There's a Right Now Media account, and if anybody, you can log into this. It's just like Netflix. It's got Bible studies, all this stuff. If anybody wants that login info, let me know. Keep forgetting. Just hit me up, or I can say it right now, and you all can write it down if you want. Go ahead. Pastor at BellevueBaptist.org is the login. Pastor at what? BellevueBaptist.org. That's the church you go to. <laughs> and the password is Bellevue Baptist. Any particular no, case? No caps. All lower case. And if we all log in, it might kick us off. I don't know. But if that many people cause that to happen, we'll just buy a subscription. So as I was sitting here thinking, did everybody get that? Okay. As I was sitting here thinking about what I said about Heather and I's marriage for the first, I don't know the timeline, but for several years it was on uh, sandy ground. And then we started to focus on Christ together. After I was saying, uh, we, we united in our faith and things have been on an upward trajectory since. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have sort of made my own questions. I've gone, I looked at their questions, but I watched the video and just kind of came up with questions of my own. And for, for the first two minutes of the video, they were talking about expectations of marriage. Here, here's the part where we start to talk. <laughs> this could get sketchy. What were your expectations of your spouse when you got married, and how have they changed over time? <laughs> And were the expectations realistic? So I always give them a hard time for asking two questions. I've asked three in one. <laughs> what were your expectations of your spouse when you got married and how have they changed? <clears throat> uh, well, I'll just break the I was married. Yeah. And my expectations were that he was going to be like my dad and my grandpa, you know, but that didn't happen. Um, but also it was a godless marriage, so that's, you know, I was worse, but um, what was the second part of the question? Uh, how have those expectations changed over time? <clears throat> yeah. I guess the question to you would be... Well, I mean, it was about six years, uh, but what would you say now? How how has your perception now that you've come to faith? How is your perception of of that spouse? How would that change now? I would never enter. I won't enter another relationship that is not centered in God. That's good news. Ever. That's good news. <laughs> I consider that a grand success in your life. Anybody else bold enough to share? 
Hey, Would you expect kid. me to clean stuff up or something? <laughs> I mean, pick up after myself? I don't know why you would have. You've been to my, you were, you know, you were my apartment before we got married. I did not say a word. <laughs> we're thinking it, though. <laughs> uh. I think I had little to no expectations. <laughs> <laughs> been married before, so I was just <laughs> Well, I don't know. You've on Sandy Brown. I mean, you I, I was a Christian, and he wasn't. My mom said, "You know, there goes everything that you believe in to do mission work goes down the tube." There, Kenny Myers, and I can't. I just couldn't give up. And uh, when he got saved, oh my gosh! She prayed to hell out of me. The, the change. The change. How many years had gone by? Fourteen years. In marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to church. I went ahead and went, but he wouldn't let me force make the kids go. That was the bad thing. I'm a bad guy. <laughs> At that time, I was. Yeah. I mean, I I was a liar. Yeah. I was too. Yeah. I didn't believe in God, and I didn't think I needed to, but she. Steered me right way. <laughs> I guess after 54 years of marriage, we're still thinking right way. <laughs> Somebody else is getting ready to talk. Let's strike while the iron's hot. I was just going to say I was very young. I was still a child myself. Um, and I I don't know what I expected. I mean, I just figured he was my knight in shining armor. And, I mean, look you know. at him. <laughs> I, I really will, you, will you all tell us about that seat cushion in the Nova or whatever it was? I really thought he no was encourager. it. You know. Um, <laughs> I can't say that it was always perfect. I have to say that we probably started off the same way. We had a child within the first year. And that was difficult. And until 10 years later, I hadn't accepted how difficult that really was and how hard that was. And I think that was about the point where I finally said, I've got to give it all to God. You know, I can't, I mean, I was a Christian. I, I was baptized here at Bellevue when I was 12, 13, something like that. Um, but, you know, it, after the all being said, it took me, 10 years to 12, you know, to say, hey, I find, I mean, he looked at me and said, they were going to ordain me. And I'm like, like heck, you're not going to be a deacon. You know, I mean, I was screaming and dragging my feet and all those kind of things. And um, I don't know, I, I guess finally turned it over and said, you know, God, you've got to be the center of this marriage. And you know, I'm not going to say it's always been perfect and, you know, no one is, but I think that when I finally had confessed that, you know, God had to be number one, you know, because I would put the kids before him, I would put everything before him, mm-hmm. and I knew this was not right. So once I finally decided that, okay, I'm doing this wrong, you know, and, you know, he stayed through it, you know, there was a lot of people that said, oh, they won't be married, you know, and that would make you more determined because mm. it's like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it or die, you know, but I'll do it. You know? So I'll white I white knuckle this thing. 40, 40 <laughs> years later or 49 years later, you know, I, it, no, it's not perfect. No, there was things we did wrong, but I think when people see us, they know that we love each other and God is the middle of it. So. Mm-hmm. Amen.
I'm going to interject real quick. I know somebody else wanted to talk, but I wanted to say this before the class started, but I was afraid I'd be too emotional. But they talk so much about it in the video that I just want to bring it up that you guys truly are exactly what that video says. You guys are shining examples of exactly what the purpose of life is. Whatever stage of your marriage that you're in, for a single person who longs for what you all have, you truly are blessed. And you guys are shining examples of exactly what the video was saying. You know, I, you know, no one can tell where you all are at in this journey together. You know, but you're here together. And that's really a true statement to people who are looking at you. It's true. People are watching, you know. So thank you. It's just really nice to see that. Thank you. <clears throat> One thing I always believe in, you never go to bed, man. I don't care what it is, you make it up before you go to bed. Because if you sleep on it, you'll get mad. <laughs> I mean, you have ups and downs. We've had a lot of them. I've never gone to bed, man. I've gone to bed silent. <laughs> is there a difference? <laughs> Only if your eyes are closed and you sleep. <laughs> Uh, in the next bit of the video, it talks about the, the people from out in the street, the culture, talking about what marriage was and what it wasn't and what culture's idea of marriage says. And I picked out a couple verses that talk about marriage, and I'm not going to read them verbatim, but in 1 Corinthians chapter something or another, Paul says, I, I didn't write it down right, Paul says, um, that we should try to remain single. It brings more glory to God to try to remain single and honor God through our activities. But if we're burning with lustful desires, then we ought to just go on and get married. But still, we need to be united in marriage. And if we're and if we do marry somebody, one person's a believer. Let's say the husband is a believer and a wife isn't. Well, the husband should carry on in his faith in hopes that the wife follows suit. And the same, vice versa, the same goes for the wife. And uh, he touches on if the, if the unbeliever falls away from the marriage, then the believer is to just, um, obviously need to fight for your marriage, but the verse says that uh, the believer can go in peace in that uh, leaving spouse. And then another is Matthew chapter 19, verses four through six. Uh, it's the leave and cleave verse. It says, um, we are to leave our father and mother and cleave to our wife and be our, be united in one flesh. And that's what marriage is biblically, um, that we are two people, but we, we become one person in unity with Jesus. And Jesus is the, the nucleus the core of that relationship. So it's us coming together to honor and glorify Jesus. And what do they say in the video? Um, I have it written down somewhere. I try not to skip ahead too much, but it says the purpose, the purpose of marriage is to reflect and tell the truth about the God whose image we bear. So that is a good Christian definition of what uh, the purpose of marriage is. There, I like. I didn't like the part, but there's one part of the video where it says there's temptation uh, in this life to think that someone better might come along. Uh, marriage is a lifetime commitment. So I've heard people say, young young friends of mine, they're married now. Um, I don't mean to name drop, but they're not here. But Heather, Will, when Will was getting ready to marry Lauren, I was I was trying to encourage him 
uh, and he was he was all worked up about it. This friend of mine, this was probably. I don't know how long they've been married, five years or something. He said, well, what if somebody, you know, what if somebody better comes along? And I said, somebody better probably will come along. But when you choose to marry somebody, it's a commitment. You don't leave the one that you've chosen. And and the whole idea of a soulmate is what, what they're talking about was like, what he said about there's hundreds of thousands of people to marry it was kind of cloudy but it, what he meant was there is no one person that you should marry there the the one person is the person that you pick the per you all pick each other and then you are committed to each other that is that's who the one is so um don't waste your time when you go to bed mad thinking Gosh, dang it, I, I married the wrong one no you married the right one because she's laying right next to you yep so before There's I carry always one somebody better. Uh, to say again? There's always gonna be somebody better. So yeah, you, and you leave one because you found someone better. Well then you're gonna leave that one because then you find somebody better than that one. Right. What do they say? The grass is greener on the other side. Not until you get there. Oh, yeah. But that's so wrong. You always want what you don't have, that's what I always say. Yeah, that's <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> Does anybody, I meant to ask this before I got started in my questions, did anything jump out of the video at you to spark questions or conversations? What, what parts of the video made you really scratch your head? Not scratch your head in a bad way, just whatever way. All those relationships mainly were committed to God. You know, that, that stuck out a lot. And you can't have a good relation, I don't think, without God, mm -hmm. because you're gonna mess up. Yeah. Who did God that? Uh, who did that? The guy who married the the woman, the MS, the woman who had MS. Who did that make you think about? Yeah. True love. Who? Troy. Yeah. I thought about Troy when I was watching that. And I miss. I watched. That's the third time I watched this video, and I missed the part, the first two times that that guy said his daughter had MS. I totally missed that. I saw the guy get teared up, but I miss, I don't. I don't know if I was taking notes both times of that or what. But I was thinking of John and Karen because the way John took care of Karen when she was going through cancer, and then the way the strength that John had when he was going through his, um, and just that whole relationship and then another one is Lee and Connie Doyle and Connie was going through her cancer the way you know Lee was attentive and took care of her you know very easily could have you know said I'm, I'm done I can't but it was you know they stayed with each other through their last breaths and you never know how that all that's gonna I mean that guy said he what she was bedridden for 25 years and he said he thinks he probably forgot 10 years of his life just from being so worn out yeah. that's a journey <clears throat> my stepdad was like that his first wife was bedridden for how many years 30 years or something and when she died and he went to church in Kennedy with my mother and they got together my mom called me up she said you think i could go out and have coffee with glenn I said, you're a grown woman, you go do anything you want. <laughs> they got together, come down, we lived down here in Macville then, and they'd come down, sit on the porch, swing, and hug on each other, and they were 70 years old, you know, I'm thinking, that's great. <laughs> she asked my, if I could give away her to my dam. I said, well, sure. But he was a good guy, you know. But he suffered with his first wife like that. That's tough to stay with him 30 years, you know. 
it's a hard, hard road to hope. There was a Hebrew word, I think it was Hebrew because it said it was in the Old Testament, Hesed. Uh, and the definition of Hesed is the steadfast love of God. And in marriage, it means I persistently pursue my spouse regardless of their performance. Who does that? Who feels confident that, that they are that they are doing that on a regular basis? That's a that's a he does. Man, you're good. No, I'm not. <laughs> he makes me good. Yeah, I read that and I thought, uh oh. Joking aside, when I said earlier, you know, <laughs> messing with her expectations, I just expected when we got married that. Having done it twice before the wrong way, <clears throat> that we would keep God at the center all the time, and for the most part we do. Sometimes I get mad, and, and uh, she'll start to pray, and then I'm just so mad that I don't even want to pray about it. I just want to walk, <laughs> go somewhere else. But we always working out because He does stay at the center. Yeah, communication is a big thing. It is. In a marriage, you gotta have communication. Because <coughs> you never know how the other one feels, you know, if you don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, Heather and I found that we honest and patient communication mm -hmm. is uh, vital. We've, we had a time not too long ago, we we just got honest with each other about a couple things, and the blessing that came from that honesty was uh, amazing. It was very, very good. So, honesty is the best policy. Yeah. When two imperfect people display said others are able to see the Trinity modeled in a marriage. What what examples of marriages have you seen said love? I have Troy and Polly on here. Of course, I don't know Polly, but through Troy uh, has been written here. I've got two other couples that are from home that have been through uh, infidelity, and they remain. They have remained married, and uh, hearing their story of that, uh, and and knowing that. Um, whether or not Christ was at the center of the marriage when it did happen, one would assume that he wasn't because it happened, but they got through it and they and they they've turned it around and they even through the worst thing that can happen in your marriage, uh, they've chosen to stay committed and, and carry on. And both couples would say that uh, this really sounds counterintuitive but both couples have said that it was one of I don't know how they would word it but it it, it, it uh, put their marriage on a, their marriage is far greater through the trial that they had been through even though there's scars there's a huge amount of scar in that but um, to, our culture is so easy to just run when things happen. People get divorced for no, no, no good reasons. But to see believers get through infidelity and and carry on—that's a huge testimony, a huge marriage testimony. So, no, you hate it for the people. It's uh, it's encouraging. Does anybody have any examples of marriages you have seen has said love? <clears throat> We've already sort of discussed that. 
I've got a friends of mine in Texas. Um, they're older, but they're probably early 80s by now. But I mean, I've I've known them for 40 years. I've never never heard or seen them have a crossword. And I mean, it's it's not just they're just God is at the center. And then I would say these two back here. Um, For me, I would say my parents. Um, I know that they married young, young, and I know that I can't really say. I'm not going to, well, they probably were not Christians at the time. Um, I know my dad's dad taught Sunday school, stuff like that. But um, I also know that it was never talked about, but my parents got married in July of 54. And my, brother was, my brother was born in January of 55. So one day I was like, huh. Okay, and like I said, it was never talked about, Um, but they had seven kids, and my dad was a policeman for 28 years, sometimes worked two or three jobs um, to keep everybody, and I know that that was probably trying in and of itself. My mom got cancer in her 50s, and... Um, at that point in time, she said, I just need to finish raising my boys. And it reoccurred like five, six years later. My brother's little brothers were 20, 21. And um, <clears throat> yeah, and they were married 45 years before my mom passed away. So, and oh, and during that time, yes, they got saved. My dad was an elder in the church when he, when he passed away. But... Yeah, I mean, they stuck it out. I mean, we laugh. Some of the older kids laugh about, you know, and don't you remember when dad, mom threw the butter dish at dad or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I mean, yeah, there were rocky times. We all knew it, but they, you know. They persisted. Yeah. So the purpose of marriage, we already said it, is to reflect and tell the truth about the God whose image we bear. And they talk about a consumer marriage versus a covenantal marriage. It says, if you meet a consumer marriage is if you meet my expectations, I will do the same. And a covenantal marriage is uh, love each other as God loves us. So Jesus loves us when we run off. Jesus loves us through our mess. Jesus shows us abundant grace. And we are to do the same in our marriages. I like the part where it's unfortunate, but I like the part where the guy said, uh, we all get married to a handicapped person. We just don't realize it on our wedding day. <laughs> and without being too hard on yourself, what are some of your handicaps? I will start. I can be very selfish. <laughs> I think that is at the root of all sin is selfishness. I, every, everything we do that we don't want to do is because we're trying to, <coughs> to bring pleasure to ourselves. So... I don't have a lot of patience sometimes in certain areas, and I will stop being too hard on myself right now, but those are some of my handicaps, is that I'm selfish and impatient, and the two kind of go hand in hand. Amen. 
talking about yourself? I'm not married to you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to be patient with you. <laughs> Y'all don't have any handicaps, I reckon. <laughs> oh, I'm wiggly. <laughs> You're single. I know. <clears throat> Yeah, I think we all have a lot of faults, but part of love is to overlook those faults or make the best of them to where, you know, you can satisfy your spouse with a, an agreement to do this or that, you know, mm-hmm. come to an agreement. I mean, I say a lot of things that are bad and wrong, you know, I do things that are wrong, but God forgives me and she does too. I think expectations are huge, even in really small things like, uh, what are you looking at me for? Giving you her attention. I see that. Uh, now I'm second guessing about you. So I was going to say, but expectations, I'd say. Uh, Heather can clean things to a militant standard, like she can polish. Um, she can polish rust. I mean, she can make it clean, and I don't care about that stuff and i will say that she has gotten (laughs) i will say that she has gotten very graceful about uh her expectations of my cleanliness i'm not saying i'm a complete disaster i'm saying her cleanly standards are are up here let's say this is bottom of the barrel well hers she's just below and i'm just like me i'm mid i'm i'm mid i'm I'm mid-range and she's gotten a lot more uh graceful about knowing that he's not gonna he's not he's just not, not gonna change him you know? well i'm gonna try to do better i'm gonna try no, but, it doesn't but i can't physically do it it's just not wired that way no i just can't mark tool instilled that in her at a young age that old things are gonna look new around here and i ain't got that me neither i would like to add one thing um compromise it might come up later in the mm-hmm. videos but we are slightly different she always has a bag packed ready to go on a trip <laughs> that's better than what i thought you were going to say <laughs> Get out of the gutter now. And, you know, I'm a little less travelish. But, so, you know, at some point, you know, we've nagged each other about things. And, and, you know, I love the farm. I, you know, an enjoyment to me might be just going out and look at the cows and see how things are going and take a hike. She hates to hike. <laughs> so, take a hike. So at some point, you know, we, we come to this agreement that, you know, we don't have to both be together at all times to function. Yeah. And it worked out good. <laughs> I think the example that of his parents and of his grandparents meant a lot to me and made me try and compromise a little more probably because of that. 
because my 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 mom and dad was not that was not the upbringing I had and you know that's what's so hard about marriage you have I was raised this way he was raised that way and we're going to try and do it this way mm-hmm. and so way. it way. it really was um, it was difficult sometimes you know I would get things like I remember way back when I would do things at church and my mom would say why are you doing that they wouldn't do that for you and I'm like, mom you don't do it for that reason you know even though she was a Christian and she showed that in her life, but there was things that, you know, I remember struggling with that when I when we were early married, but I also had his grandmother and his mother for examples for me to be the person that I, to be more like what he desires. Not that it was always, like he says, there's, there's compromise because I do like to travel and we don't go. Mm-hmm. And I do, there's times when I say, well, why can't you just go once? Why can't we just do something together? But He went to Newport just the other night. He'll say, why can't you go and look at these cows with me? And I'm like, mm, it's just not what I want to do. <laughs> but... I don't know. I, I and I, I teasingly say all the time, I'm not a farmer. I married one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that kind of, you know, I know it's a cop out, but <laughs> sometimes it's and you know, I try and do that occasionally when he says, Well, let's go do this. It's not what I really want to do. I do it, you know, but and I think that goes along with, you know, every marriage, you know, if you got to think not just about yourself. Sometimes you do have to think about mm-hmm. the other person. Well, you are setting a good example for <laughs> all of us sitting here. We've, we've heard testament of that tonight. So people are watching us, and we need to also, we all need to, we're, we're married believers. We all need to, to be an example, not only to each other within the church, but to, to all the people we know. So. That pretty much concludes I, the first lesson. I had a I had something to say and I lost it, which probably is a good thing. Um, Sorry, I talked to you. No, I was going to say that what you said about your parents uh, and the leave and cleave. You know, when we leave our father and mother and and unify in marriage, um, we don't need to run back to mama and daddy for every everything. Now you're bringing up old wounds, but we're. We are to lean. That's the purpose of having Jesus at the center of the marriage is that he needs to be the focus and not what our parents did. And it's good to get wisdom and insight from our parents, but we can't, uh, we shouldn't go tattletale. But the key is God in the center. Mm-hmm. Joy hit it. Yeah. Um, is there any way if people feel comfortable to share how long they've been together and whether or not they've been divorced before? Like, I didn't know... Um, they have been divorced and stuff. So, is there any way people can just quickly say how long they've been married and whether or not? My name is Tink Hayden. I am married to Heather Hayden, and we have been married for ten years, and neither one of us have been divorced. Okay. Brendan and I have been married fifty-four years, and I have divorced. I had a wife for about a year before her, now and she was in my Sunday school class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was she she tried to run over me the day that my wife had my first wife and I got married. We'll hit that in session two. I am Sue Myers, married to Shannon Myers, which is not here. Um, but we've been uh, thirty three years, thirty four years in June, um, and never divorced. 
Y'all don't. If you don't want to share, you don't have to share anything. Feel free to share one. <clears throat> I'm Steve Bowling. Like Betsy and I have been married for four years. Four years. Four years. Four years and a couple years. Five years. Sorry. It'll be five years next month, oh. March. And we've both been married before. Yeah. More than once. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So Not that we're proud of that. Uh, no. We've been married for 13 years. And never divorced. We've been married for five years. No divorces. Seven years. No divorces. Mike and Sierra. Um, mine has been an option not to come, but we've been married for 20 years. 27 years. No divorces. Started dating at 16 and 17. Uh, not married at all. <laughs> never been. <laughs> Married for 43 years, but both were divorced. And I'm Bev, I'm married to Tony. We've been married for 15 years this year, and um, he was first marriage for him, but I was divorced. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be 34 this time. <laughs> and we did start dating at 12. <laughs> 14. Karen and I was married back in 73. We got divorced after 19 years, 21 years. Uh, I remarried and got a divorce and give Karen a ring at Christmas and ask her to remarry me. Redemption. See, I would have never known that. I feel like you guys have literally been together for 40 years. Literally. Your turn. That's cool. CJ and Kristen, we've been married 17 years. I've been married 11 years. Jim and Arlene Jones, who was married for 57 years to Sandy. And after she passed away, God gave me Arlene. We've been married you know, since last year. No, not a year yet. Not a year. <laughs> Newly wed. You all got married right when I showed up here. Mm -hmm. Aww. <laughs> and I was already a Jones. I just, he changed his name to Mary Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do with this one? <laughs> uh, Grant Snyder. Uh, this is Morgan. I don't know if anybody's really met her too much yet, but we've been dating for six months. So, very new, very fresh. But we're building our faith through God and our relationship to God. So, Amen. Amen. and that's my grandson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not married. <laughs> uh, me and Debbie had to do the math. The one of us actually knew. <laughs> it's like we're coming up on 22 years and we have never divorced. Never married, never divorced. My parents will have been married for 46 years this May. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
I'm married to BJ. We've been married for 27 years. Heather, you didn't say anything. <laughs> you already said it. <laughs> We've gone over, and I bet Mark and Elizabeth are scrambling out there. So I bet we did, though, because I learned a lot. Like, yeah. I would have thought those two had been together for a long time, and, you know, that's just cool. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the marriages in this room, and we are grateful for the single people that have come here to um, pour into themselves through your word and uh, your design for marriage and I just pray that this is a light-hearted time that has uh, good results for our marriage longevity and that it is made well known that you are to be at the center of our marriages and I pray all of these things I'm not done praying yet uh, Lord um, Tori is having surgery on Friday and we just want to lift her up in prayer uh, it's been a great blessing seeing her come here and uh, we just pray that you keep her safe during the surgery and we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.